Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 31. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person in ministry, whether you do that informally or as a vocation. In Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians. And today's thread is a wrap-up. It's our takeaways from our 30-episode study of this amazing book about ministry, where the Apostle Paul, as an older man, opens his heart and just shares how, just the, the deepest part of his feelings and understanding about this thing called the ministry that he gave his life to and I've given my life to, and, and maybe that's what you're called to do. I hope so. Uh, you know, the world needs us. It needs people who see their function and their calling in life as ministering to other people, as building people up and strengthening them and representing Christ in the culture. So I just want to go over today, you know, I'm tempted to go through the whole book again because I just, I've been going through it slowly looking at all the big pointers and it's like, man, there's just so much in this. It's worth going through it over and over again. So I just want to hit some high points and I'm going to actually do two episodes of takeaways. And uh, so let's just get started on it. Uh, number one, the first point that I get is Paul's uh, total uh, baptism into this concept that Christ is our life. Not just that he's a big deal to us, but that we become totally identified with him. There is a, a merger. You know, uh, Christ is... In me is the hope of glory. We suffer with Christ. We are comforted in Christ. We do ministry with Christ. We're anointed by Christ. We're made competent in Christ. We're made strong in Christ. We are weak in Christ. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 10 says, We are always carrying around in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in us. And Paul sees this in a very, uh, like a metaphysical way. This is a mysterious spiritual um, bonding that has taken place where we're not just like following Jesus. Christ has moved into us. That you know, That's what the born again experience is. It's not getting religion. It's not even being baptized. It's an experience where Christ comes inside of you and you become a new creation that's never existed before. And all that is in this book. You know, that you become a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away. All things become new. And you become a man or a woman in Christ. And you are completely identified with him. And I don't think many of us, uh, I know I certainly haven't spent enough time meditating on the reality of that and what it all means. You know, when I was in seminary, one of my professors, he put the atonement like this. He said, if, if for some reason, a million years from today, as we're all enjoying ourselves in the kingdom of God and the recreation, you know, of, of the earth and the total bliss of that life. But if something happened a million years from today and suddenly the blood of Jesus lost its power, we would all be immediately plunged into outer darkness away from God. You know, we are, we are completely dependent 
upon the work of Christ for our salvation. Uh, you know, one of the, the great uh, awakenings that the Protestant Reformation that, that fired it up after almost 2,000 years of works-based Christianity was the understanding that salvation, righteousness, justification, being right and clean and perfect with God. Righteousness is a gift for sinners, not a reward for righteous people who you know work hard and achieve it on their own. That it's not possible for humans to earn a right position with God no matter what we do. So that's the salvation side, but it goes beyond that. And Paul says, no, it's more than that. It's that we become the hands of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, the feet of Jesus. We, Christ is in us, and everything that Christ is, is already in me. So I don't have to say, you know, God, please help me pray. I am a man of prayer because Christ lives in me. Oh, Lord, please help me love what you love. I do in my deepest self. Christ is in me. He's not just, I'm not just following him. He is merged with me. Somehow he's, there's this incarnation going on again. He's inside me. And Paul says, you know, like we said in chapter 4, verse 10, I am carrying around in my physical body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in us. So there's a lot to chew on. With just that one takeaway, Christ is our life source. He is our ministry power. He is our standing with God. He is our source of everything. And it's not, oh, God, please be my source. He is. Oh, Lord, please change me. I'm changed. It's all inside. I just have to basically quit fighting God and quit thinking the old way uh, as though my, my life is about my work, my you know, my effort, my status in the world, and try to, you know, my level of personal righteousness. I have been given a thing in Christ that I I can never deserve. And that thing has to be mm, my focus for living. I have to live out of my life in Christ, not my life as a Christian, my life in Christ, Christ in me. I got to learn to live out. And wow, what a confidence. We'll talk about that in a minute, the confidence that would come if we really got a hold of this, but Paul got a hold of it. Okay, second big takeaway from me. Well, since we are now joined to Christ 24-7, then in a very amazing way, like Christ, we've been anointed to be wounded healers on the earth. You know, we talked a lot about uh, some people having the idea that, that we're supposed to be sort of like pharmacists wearing a, a white coat and we don't have sickness. You know, we're above all this. But that isn't what Paul says. And, and we're going to get deeper into this. You know, he says, we have been anointed the same way that it was the stripes of Jesus that brought us healing. And it was the suffering of Jesus that brought us consolation from God. It was, you know, the being cursed, Jesus being cursed that made us be blessed. You know, God takes these wounds, not just the wounds of Jesus, but he even takes the wounds that you and I suffer. And the comfort and the overcoming power that we receive in these moments through Christ, that he gives us gifts, you know. Like if you've ever had a really, I have known people that have had every tragedy you can imagine from a child kidnapped to, well, I, I could just, I've been a pastor a long time and pastors see a whole lot of pain in this life. But 
everybody who's been through one of those and comes out successfully, you know, they don't blame each other and they don't hate God and they don't, they just go through it. You know, it's a valley, it's horrible. And they go through that thing and they come out the other side. These are different people. They are powerful. They are strong people. And there's a thing that you get from being wounded when you overcome your wound. I don't mean in the middle of your wound. You know, when you're like, <laughs> one of the reasons I was late with this week's podcast is I got, I got in a motorcycle wreck last week. And man, you get in a car wreck, that's bad. But you get in a motorcycle wreck, it's serious. And when I hit the, I, it was on a main street. When I hit that highway and my hip and my head and my leg hit, and my bike went sliding, 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 and I was off it. You know, I was just laying there, and I couldn't do anything but grunt and groan. I knew what had happened. I couldn't sit up. I was just whipped, you know. I was broken and just trying to get back on my feet now. Well, this isn't the time to write a book about, you know, anything about motorcycle driving because I'm in the middle of getting healed from something. But I'm going to be a smarter driver on the other side of this. And when we've been through a battle and it's over with and we're healed and everything's, you know, like gnarly and hard again and strong and your, you know, your scars are double thick skin and the you know, strongest part of your skin is a scar. And you get, there's an anointing in that thing. I'm just belaboring the point, but what I'm trying to say is there's a power in suffering handled well, suffering that you overcome. You get a gift at the end of that. And that gift, according to Paul, becomes like a healing salve. And we can rub it on others through our intentional engagement with them. Because like Christ, we've been anointed to be wounded healers. We have a special authority through the things we have suffered and conquered to take authority over those things and to speak to people and to minister to people. In those ways. And this leads to a much larger theological point, and that's my third takeaway from this book, and that is a theology of pain. Man, we need more books. We're so scared of this. I'm Pentecostal, okay? We are so scared of pain and death. It's as though we're not Christians, and we don't believe in resurrection. We don't believe in it. We've got to avoid pain, all pain. If God doesn't let us avoid, you know, like let us go around the gate. And we get to skip every pain. We are so mad at God for not doing his job. But Paul has a much deeper way, as did the early church, of thinking about what pain does in our lives. We're so scared if we acknowledge that pain does something good that we're throwing away our belief in the, you know, in divine healing and miracles and that. And it's not true. The point is... Healing and miracles were never designed as a way to avoid pain in this world and to get to sort of live on in a heavenly way, in, even in the middle of a fallen world. Jesus never, 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 never promised that, but we claim it as a promise, and it, it isn't a promise. He didn't promise that. There is something that happens in pain, and God is present in pain. And we have to get over being mad at God for the existence of pain. And Paul, he, Paul digs down into this. He, he hits uh, at least five points uh, about pain. You know, we could just do a whole podcast about the theology of pain. But 
Um, chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, For our light and momentary affliction is working for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. Our light and momentary affliction. That's how he saw his hard times. Those things are working for us. They're working. They're working. They're working. And it's for us on our behalf. A far more exceeding weight of glory. It's important. You and I are going to suffer. You've already suffered. I've already suffered. We could both break each other's hearts and and draw tears just by going through the stories of our suffering. Everybody in the world has stories like this. And Paul says, don't waste your pain. Your pain is not wasted. Your pain is not the absence of God. Your pain is a number of things. One is, Paul says, it's a reminder that this world is not our home. We just fall so in love with the way this world is, and we want it to be our permanent state. And so we build these sandcastles and get so upset when they keep getting knocked over. But pain reminds us, you know, Paul says, don't look on what you can see. Look on what is eternal. This world is not our home. We have an existing home, and it is real. And our citizenship is there. And Paul is at a point, chapter 5, verse 7, where he says, I am well pleased rather to be absent from my body and be present with the Lord. You know, he was living a full life in this world. You can tell he loves people. He loves his friendship. He, he visits people. He's a very social person. He's enjoying a meaningful life. And yet he can say, I'm torn. Because I have a real citizenship in an existing place that is sort of layered on top of this world. And every now and then I get a taste of it. This present world is not my home. And if we could really make that jump, I don't think it makes us, you know, like less human. I don't think it makes us less loving to people or that we, you know, taste watermelon less. I think we can do both. But, you know, we've got to let go of our grip on this world. And Paul says pain will do that for you. It will remind you that your citizenship is somewhere else. Second thing Paul said, pain is a thorn in the flesh. Uh, it's a it's a thing that, hmm, it hurts. It cripples us. But by crippling us from using our own limited abilities, it actually creates power. If instead of uh, relying on our broken, thorn-in-the-flesh, limited abilities, if instead we, we yielded and said, I want God's power, you know, then our power now broken, chapter seven, uh, 12, verse 7, since our power is broken, then we get to access God's limitless power. It's like I've got a AAA battery and he's got a nuclear generator. And I have to run my battery out. I don't really have to. I just have to be convinced that his generator is so much better than my battery. And to yield to that, to stop trusting and focusing on my own, you know, control, my own ability. Let me be the one. Let me work. Uh, You know, more prayer, less work. Uh, Walk with God. A thorn in the flesh will tell you that, that you are a crippled human. At your very best, you're a crippled human. And you have limited abilities that cannot solve the problems. You're going to, you know, we're all called to do our work. But know that you're going to 
uh, fail. You're going to run to the limit of your ability and you are not going to be able to solve certain problems and you are not going to be able to go to a certain level. You can't. It is not possible for you to do it. And the quicker we get a hold of that and say, God has done this for me to give me an awakening and now I'm just going to trust his power and I'm going to trust him. That's the second thing. It's a thorn in the flesh that opens my mind, hopefully, to a whole new way of living out of God's power, not my human power. Third thing he says is our pain creates authority. It creates, he goes down a list of pains he suffered and he cites them as his authority for being an apostle. Our pain creates authority in us that other people sense and respond to. We need that pain. We don't need to be plastic people. That pain makes us real. It gives us, you know, creases. And uh, I used to think uh, crow's feet looked so cool until I got crow's feet. Uh, but, you know, that what life does to you, that tough, beat up, now we call it vintage, you know, uh, it's an authority. And people respond to that. They respect it. So don't be afraid of your pain. You're going to get through it. Fourth thing about pain, Paul said, our willingness to endure suffering for Jesus and suffering for his ministry will create a mark on us. And it, it's like a seal that we are the genuine ambassadors of Christ. Because when Paul defends his apostleship, he lists what he has endured for the ministry. And yet, he remains in the ministry. He didn't say, this is why I got out of the ministry. <laughs> you know, I got abused by people. I had all this hard stuff happen, and that's why I'm never going back. Paul says, and I'm still in it. I am totally committed to it despite all my pain, because this is my mark. This proves that I am a genuine ambassador for Christ on the earth. All right. And the last point was something I've mentioned already about pain, and that is when we overcome pain, it becomes a power. It becomes a power that we can give to other people. Well, you know, part of dealing with the theology of pain goes beyond personal pain. You know, we're, we're, we're all focused on personal pain. It's what I suffer but it goes beyond that. And if you're going to really develop a theology of what pain is, it has to go to another area, which is suffering with Christ. It's got nothing to do with me. It's sufferings that I endure that I would not endure. But I endure these sufferings because I am a Christian in a dark world. It means that I stand up with Christ against the dark world system and I just take the hits that come from being loyal to him. You know, I, I love Fixer Upper and I love that couple. I love to watch their the dynamic between them. But as their, um, as their star started to rise in America and with it, they clearly made, you know, a point to let the world know that they were believers in Jesus. They were Christians. I knew, man, it is only a matter of time till. This world is going to turn its guns on them and they are going to feel the hits and they're going to worry about their family because uh, in addition to being fixer-uppers, they're believers. And that one extra thing is going to make them such an irritant in the eye of this world that it will not tolerate it. You know, And, it's, and I'm sure they have stories that they can tell and you can see them trying to make good moves to protect themselves and lower their profile while at the same time, you know, not denying anything that they believe. But that's 
that's part of a theology of of pain is to say, as you stand for Christ in a world of spiritual darkness where it, it we are at war with this darkness, you are going to have a a um, a certain amount, a measure of suffering that has nothing to do with you. You didn't do it. You didn't cause it. But you have to take it because it's part of standing true with Jesus. You suffer with Christ against the dark world system and you just take the punishment. Theology of pain. So much more we could say. Um, Let me go to the fifth takeaway. The fifth takeaway on a different topic is that is how central relationships are to ministry. Now, I learned a long time ago that bonding is the first principle in ministry. And bonding, sticking with people, connecting, real heart-to-heart connection. First principle in ministry. And that's true whether you're trying to do evangelism with somebody, you need to establish relationships. You know, we're, we're here in the Buddhist world and we just continue to, which is probably the most difficult part of the world to evangelize. Uh, less than 3% of missionaries will ever serve in a Buddhist country. And uh, Buddhist nations are just notoriously difficult for evangelism. And I talk to people who live here and I say, tell me, you know, give me some help. Because I'm used to big success, but that's in basically Christianized countries where people are pre-evangelized. Well, here they don't have even the basic concepts from God's Word. They're absent from the culture and from their mind. They don't see life that way. And I ask them, okay, how do we, uh, what do we do? And they just keep saying the same thing, bonding. You know, it's about loving, connecting, do everything you can do, get, those, get your heart close because it's the only bridge that ministry can go across and just pray for people while you... While you do what you can in their life and wait for that day and wait for those moments that you get to share. And then, you know, there's the day when you'll feel like it's the right time to ask. And at least you got your chance to ask. But that's that's just the truth about ministry. Bonding is the first principle in ministry. And if you're trying to do evangelism, it starts there. Don't try to do conquest. Actually, I've got a whole book on this subject. Um, And you can check it out on Amazon. It's called I Want to Bear Fruit. Uh. You know, we don't need to do conquest evangelism. You have to you have to reach out and bond with people. But it's also true if you want to nurture people, and it's true if you want to expand ministry. Ministry is all about people. It's about building big people that God will use in the spread of the gospel and in the radiating of the kingdom of God throughout the world. Nothing replaces relationships, and that means we got to watch how we treat. Staff, how we handle conflicts. We have to work diligently to clear up misunderstandings so we don't get divided in the body of Christ. We have to fight for relationships. We have to do everything we can to keep real, healthy relationships flowing in every direction. And that's in our family more than any other place. And some say, oh, we just fell out of love. Well, that's normal marriage, man. I mean, get over it. Put your heart back into that person. Forgive whatever it is you're holding over their head. Look at them with grace in your eyes. Serve them in love. Most marriages can come back. You know, they can be revived. But it's just giving up on relationships. So easy, like a consumer 
Oh, I don't like that. I'm going to turn it in. I'm going to trade it in. And we do that even in the body of Christ. It's just such a blight on the church how quick we are to throw away a relationship and split a group and you know, call for war. And we should be the most relational people in the world. And Paul gives a whole bunch of examples about relationship. He talks about even in his manner, you've got to open up and be transparent. You've got to share how you feel. Don't shut that down in public and then make, you know, tell the truth to your, your secret friends. You need to be one person, not like a fake person in public and then a, a you know, cool person in another sense. You've got to open up and be transparent. Be one real person to everybody. Let them know how you feel. Learn to be relational. Another example he gave is how we use the Bible. That if ministry is relationship, then we don't want to use the Bible to condemn people and to show people their failures, we want to use the Bible to give them life and give them hope and give them encouragement. Another example was the necessity of forgiving people, even if they hurt you. And in Paul's case here, even if they hurt you intentionally, so the devil doesn't get a foothold in our Christian relational fabric and begin to make a tear between us. We have to fight to keep relationships. Don't let them Drift away. Uh, I'm going to stop with those. Those are just some really beautiful, you know, that's just five good takeaways that I think will come back over and over again. It's worth digging down into, taking another good look. I'm going to come back next week uh, in the next episode, and I'm going to give you the rest of the takeaways I've found. I would love to hear yours. Uh, On Facebook, there's a Facebook group, Thread with Chuck Quinley. And go on there. Let me let me hear what your favorite takeaways were from this season of Thread. It's really not about Thread. It's about Second Corinthians. So as you look through that book and you see, you know, your favorite verses, your favorite principles, uh, you know, just mention it there on the in the group. And I want to ask you to do one more thing and do it again. If if you have not subscribed to the podcast, because we've only got one more episode. And if you will just look on the player and hit the subscribe button, that's going to give us your email address so that when we open the new uh, podcast, because I'm going in a new direction and I want to talk to you about that, but I won't be able to if I don't have your email address. So if you'll just subscribe to the podcast, I'll get that. I'll be right back in touch with you pretty soon and let you know uh, I'm going to go dark for a couple months and then we're going to come back with something that I think is going to be very meaningful to you. So. Uh, thank you for enjoying Thread Podcast this season. Thank you for especially those of you that have written me and we've had uh, you know engagement and been able to go back and forth with each other. That is so meaningful to me. I want to be here for you. I want to be a strength in your life. I want to share with you what God has shared with me and give that to you as your treasure. Because you know I I like everybody else who's been in ministry a while. You know, we've we've got some hard-earned truth, and it's good to get that because we don't want it to perish with us. And I want to give it to you, and you can start with it and have all this, you know, all this stuff from God in addition to what He has shown you in your own life. So thanks again. Uh, this week, as always, expect God to use you. You're the light of the world, so shine on.